Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you're ready to get in the Word together this morning, you can turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Deuteronomy chapter 2. While you're turning there, I do want to press upon you the urgency of one announcement that was made earlier today that, um, that there will be an Independence Day celebration uh, that will be going forth next Sunday immediately following the service. So we invite you to, to be mindful of that and please join us after the service immediately following for a time of fellowship and food and just celebrating our independence as a nation together. Uh, can hardly believe that next Sunday is July 1st. Isn't that unreal? Uh, man, um, I, can, I can remember like it was yesterday all of the pundits and talking heads and stuff going on about Y2K and now here it is halfway through 2018 and it's like amazing just the time passes so rapidly but anyway so one day uh, one day there was a, a pastor at a young kid and uh, his little boy asked him he said daddy he said I've noticed every Sunday when you go up on the platform the first thing that you do is you sit down and you bow your head he said now I'd like to know what you're doing and the father carefully explained to his son, he said, well, son, when I go up there on the platform, he said, I, I, I just bow and I pray and I express my dependence upon the Lord and I ask him to just give me a good message for the day. The little boy had thought about it for a minute. He kind of rubbed his chin. He said, well, well, why don't he? <laughs> so... <laughs> I hope that you'll get more out of the message today than this young man did out of his father's sermons on the usual. But uh, I want to turn your attention here to Deuteronomy chapter 2. We're going to read the first two or three verses here and uh, then take off together as I speak to you today on the subject of having a kingdom attitude. Having a kingdom attitude. And the word says in Deuteronomy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted the Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward. Now, just to set a little background here for you, this is a part of the wilderness wanderings, the exodus of the children of Israel out of slavery, heading towards their land of destiny. And here they are, and God is speaking to them. They've been wandering now some many years, and God is speaking to them, and he's saying to them, Haven't, aren't you ready? I have something better for you. Aren't you tired of the same old thing? Aren't you ready? Haven't you been walking around in this wilderness long enough? Because if you look at Mount Seir on a map, and you and you look at that when the Lord speaks to them and says haven't you circled this mountain long enough it's time now for you to turn northward northward actually is towards their land of promise their inheritance as the children of God the fullness of everything that God has called them to and God says aren't you tired of just 
roaming, roaming around here in the wilderness, don't you want to experience the change in scenery that I have in store for you, the promised land that's been waiting for you all this time? You've circled this mountain long enough. Now turn northward and start heading towards your possession. Can you imagine wandering around in the desert for 40 years? Now, as hard as that is for you and I to imagine, it did happen. And the greatest hindrance, now they, they wandered around out there and you've got to think to yourself, well, there must have been extenuating circumstances for them to do so this long. And it's true, they had enemies, they had people, they had a lot of obstacles that they needed mount before they could reach their land of promise. But the truth of the matter is the only thing, the greatest hindrance to the Israelites receiving everything that God had in store for them was not their enemies, although they were all around. It was not their own inabilities, though they were prevalent as well. But it was their own attitude concerning the promises of God. Because, because of a prevailing sense of disbelief, they never sought for a change of scenery uh, that was necessary for them to experience all that God had in store for them. Instead of believing who God had said that they were, instead of believing that they had the strength that God said they had, and instead of believing that they could do what God said they could do, their attitude was more or less, I'm not... I can't, so I won't. I'm not, I can't, so I won't. And I want to ask you today at the onset of this message, how many of you are facing things in your life right now that maybe not verbally, but somewhere in the back of your mind, somewhere in the recesses of your heart, you share that similar attitude? That you've heard there was a land flowing with milk and honey. You've heard the goodness of the promise of God. And you've heard all of those things. And you want something fierce within you to go after it and to get it. But there's still that voice that says you're not, you can't, you shouldn't. So therefore you don't. Their thoughts were that they were delivered. If you remember the story of the Exodus, if you don't, then that's your homework assignment is to go home and Pick that up in Exodus, the book of Exodus, and read through until you get to this point. It should be exhilarating reading for you, uh, especially when you hit, the, hit about Leviticus, okay? <clears throat> but nonetheless, God had delivered them out miraculously, yet their thoughts were that they were delivered from slavery only unto death. So why, why did we, Moses, why were we delivered out of slavery only to die here in the wilderness? Their, their thoughts were thoughts of starvation and destruction, even though God rained down manna in the wilderness. Even when they saw their own, even when they saw with their own eyes the blessing that God had provided for them, they stood in disbelief and said, we're not able to stand before this enemy. We can't overcome it, so let's not even try. And the sad reality is that we're talking about a people. We have a, we have a wonderful luxury, you and I. And the great luxury that you and I possess is the luxury of history. 
because we're able to look back on epic events like the exodus of the children of Israel and we see the beginning and we see the end and we can see all the points in between. But remember with me that these were people who were living this succession of time in real time and they were experiencing these things without knowing what the end would be. In other words, they were doing life same as you and I are doing life. And the sad reality is this, that the children of Israel were then moving through life and, and God was trying to open up new horizons for them and they were disbelieving. They had a, they had a poor attitude towards it themselves and the sad thing is that there are still people today in this hour just as the children of Israel were then in that hour. God's trying to call. God's trying to lead. God's trying to beckon you to a new place, to new heights in his spirit, to new, new depths in the wisdom of who he is. And we're reluctant. We're reluctant to make a change in the course of our lives to experience all the blessing that God has in store for us. Blessing so close sometimes that the children of Israel were able to throw a stone and, and be able to reach it. One of my favorite things to do sometimes, I don't do it every day, but sometimes I, I like to, before I go to bed at night, I like to go ahead and set my coffee pot for the next morning. And I, I set it up, I get all the grounds in there and the water and everything, and I set the timer. And I set the timer about 15 minutes ahead of my alarm clock so that when my alarm clock goes off, all that I can smell, whoo, glory, is that fresh brewed coffee. Come on, somebody. And the coffee pot is downstairs, and I'm upstairs at the furthest recess away from where it is. And that's all I can smell is just that fresh brewed coffee. But you see, I can lay in bed in my complacency, and I can lay in the bed in the comfort of my, of my covers, and I can lay in there in the enjoyment of my slumber. And all I'll ever do is taste the coffee. Smell it. Man, I hate when I blow an illustration. All I'll ever do is smell it. At some point, I've got to say, enough is enough. I'm tired of laying here. I'm going to shake off these covers. I'm going to shake off these comforts. I'm going to shake out of this complacency, and I'm going downstairs to get what's mine. And the children of Israel wandered around there in the wilderness many times, and, and their blessing, their promise was almost like that pot of coffee. They could, they could smell it off in the distance, but they, they, never, they never could drink of it. They could never taste it. The, the word of the Lord said, you've been in this place long enough. God, God said it then and it holds true today. It's time for some of us to have a change in the scenery, spiritually and personally speaking. 
It's time for us to have a new plan of action. It's time to realize that a change is going to do us good. I want to ask you today, is there anybody in the house that needs a change? You need a change in scenery. You need, you need a victory today. Maybe you need a victory in your finances. Maybe you need victory in your health. Maybe you need a victory in your family or in your personal life. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is ready to deliver whatever you have need of this morning because he has already been victorious over every situation that you have or ever will encounter. He's already taken care of it on the cross. There's nothing, I repeat, nothing that can stand up to what he did when he died for each and every one of us. Is anybody ready for a change in their lives this morning? Is there anybody under the sound of my voice in this place or watching online that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired? Is there anyone who's ready to take back what the enemy has been robbing from you for far, far, far too long? Is there anybody willing to stand up and proclaim, I am by the grace of God, I can by his strength, and therefore I will have what he has promised to me? I'm ready. I'm ready to make the changes necessary in my life that the Lord wants me to so that I can walk in and enjoy the abundant life and good things that he has promised to me. I want to share with you a very familiar passage of Scripture. Some of you have got it on your Rolodex. It's on your daily planner. It's on your refrigerator magnet. Some of you have it as post-it notes on your mirror in the morning, so it's the first thing that you see. Maybe you have it stapled to your ceiling so it's the last thing you see at night. I don't know, and that's none of my business. But Jeremiah 29, 11 simply says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I want to tell you today, the accuser may tell you that you're not worthy of God's goodness and blessing. But that's not what the Word has to say about the situation. When God said He wants you to have abundant life, the abundant life that He promised, He meant it. He meant it. So I want to challenge you today with this thought that if you're not living the abundant life that God promises, don't blame it on God. Don't blame it on God. Sometimes the blessing is right before us, as was the case with the children of Israel. But we lack the right attitude to go in and take possession of what God has for us. I want to read for you here from Numbers chapter 13, the, the concluding verse of that chapter that says this. You know, at one point, Moses sent in spies to the promised land that they would go in and they would come back and bring a report. And they said, oh, yeah, it's everything that God promised us it would be. I mean, it is just, it is a land flowing. It's great. It's full of blessing. And here's the issue. Here's why these people are wandering 40 years in the wilderness. Because God promised them something. And God not told them he was going to do something miraculous. God had already done a lot of things miraculous to get them out of the place that they were in. But when they beheld the promised land, they weren't sure that God was going to do miraculous again to get them into their possession. 
And you come here to Numbers 13, 33, and they're talking about the giants in the land, and this is their report, or the report of the majority, and it said, there we saw giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now, you may do a study on this, and you may come back, and you may correct me, and that's okay, but there's, there's a couple of things I want to point to you here. First of all is that their perspective about their stature in their own eyes, in other words, how they viewed themselves, their attitude concerning themselves was that they were grasshoppers in the sight of those other people. And I can't find anything in the word that supports that there was any conversation or any exchange between the spies and the people of the land that leads, me, leads us to believe that the B part of this verse is anything more than an assumption. Who told them that they were like grasshoppers in the sight of the giants? You don't know. We don't know the perspective that God had given the giants of the people. It must be their assumption. Let me tell you something. There are far too many times in this walk of faith that we assume too many things. We, we assume we're not capable. We assume we, you know, this thing and that thing, and therefore we kind of shrink back from it, not to mention the poor perspective and attitude we have about our own selves. Now, I know the word says not for a man not to think any more highly of himself than he ought. I, I get that, I, and I respect that. But I'm not talking about who I am as an individual. I'm talking about who I am in Christ. You see, if you're going to have a kingdom attitude, the first thing you're going to have to learn how to say is, I am. I am. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I am. I am. You know, there are a lot of, and it, please bear with me this morning. I'm, I'm going to share with you something that is strictly and, and just my opinion. But we've got a lot of programs in this world today that they're aimed at helping people. And I believe their failed philosophies, they have a high recidivism rate because they don't work. And the reason that these well-intended programs whose aim is to help people fail is because they continue to identify people with the ills that have vexed their lives. I'm just going to give you some, I'm not dogging any one thing in particular, but I'm just, I'm telling you what scripture is this morning. They, they reinforce a profession, a confession they bring somebody in, they've got a problem. What's your problem? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict. Okay, well, every week then for, in perpetuity, you stand up and you say, hi, I'm Steve, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm Steve, I'm an addict. And over and over and over again, that confession is made. They'll tell you that your disease is incurable. It's just something you have to deal with for the rest of your life. You just happen to have rehabilitated yourself just a little bit. But I want to tell you something. That's not word. But it is just like the lie of the enemy. 
Because you see what he wants you and I to believe. He would have us believe today that we just got a little bit of religion. Oh, we're still the same vile person that we've always been. We just got a little bit of religion. We've just rehabilitated ourselves to some degree. But deep down inside, we're still the same. But that's not what God says. The Bible says that for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we're something different altogether. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. The enemy tries to convince many that because of their past, they can never be useful to God and they're not deserving of the blessings and the promise of God. I want to tell you today, it's the lie of the adversary. Far too many people allow their yesterday to eat up the blessings of today. I'll share with you the wisdom of Will Rogers. Don't let yesterday use up too much of today. You're not who you once were. You're not what you once were. If you belong to Jesus, a new life has begun. Paul writes to the Ephesians church and says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're not an outsider to the family of God. You're not an individual that lacks the rights to the blessings of the Father, but you have been given power to be called the sons and the daughters of God. You were strangers and foreigners, but he's given you the power to be called the sons and the daughters of God, heirs of the promise. You see, who I am, what I am in, in our world today, it's often confessed in a counterproductive way. And I want you to think about this. I want you to listen to me here real close for just a minute. What language do you use that generally follows the words I am? I hear it all the time. I am discouraged. I am tired. I am weary. I am sick. I am flawed. I am inadequate. I am defeated. I am burdened. And this unfortunately leads to the confession that I am depressed and I am disillusioned and I'm despondent and I am ready to give up. Well, can I tell you that's exactly what the adversary wants from you is for you to give up before you reach God's promise for your life. For you reach the fullness of what he's got in store for you. Can I tell you today that what you are is not what you think you are? I know, I know the word says in, in the scripture that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But understand that that's a self-imposed limit. That doesn't mean that's all you are because all you are is what God has said you are. You may never aspire because you think differently of yourself in your heart, but God, what God has said you are, it's not what your friends think about you, it's not what somebody else says about you, but it's what God has said about you. That's what you are. And what God says I am is that I'm an overcomer, that I am victorious, I am saved, I am a child of the King, I am anointed, I am blessed, I am delivered, I am restored and redeemed and transformed and changed and healed and empowered and set free. I am what I am by the grace of Almighty God. And then we follow up, if we've got a kingdom attitude, we're going to say, because I am, I can. Because I am, I can. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
You know, people can do and are capable of doing a lot of things. When God created mankind, he made a marvelous creation. And the Bible says that we were created in his image. And you know what? You know what I've learned about mankind? Is there's one thing in particular that we don't like to have done to us. And that is that we don't like to be told that we can't do something. Come on, how many of you, it just lights your fire for somebody to tell you no? Mm-mm, you can't do it. I don't believe it. Especially you men. Oh, Lord, Jesus. Y'all, y'all remember little Johnny back on the playground? Hey, little Johnny, I bet you can't do that. Oh, good gracious. Johnny might go home with a broke arm, but Johnny was going to do it. You hear me? Mm-mm. A great way to provoke somebody to do something in the physical sense is usually to tell them that they can't. Oh, we've, we've accomplished great feats. We've built great cities. We've put people on the moon. Today's technology will almost blow your mind. Medical innovation is amazing. My question then is why then is it that people who are capable of so many different things, but when it comes to the things of God and what he wanted to do for us, suddenly the word can has a T put on the end of it and it becomes a can't with a capital C. Remember, you remember Moses standing by the burning bush? Moses at the burning bush was not the first time that it had ever crossed Moses' mind to be the deliverer of God's people. You remember that? And Moses went out and he saw the Egyptian beating the Hebrew and he went and slew him and buried him in the sand. Anybody remember that? It wasn't the first time. Oh, but in the physical In the physical, he's like, I got this. But then when God shows up before him in a flaming fire and says, Moses, take the sandals off your feet because the place where you're standing is holy ground. I've got an anointing for your life. I've got a calling on your life. I've got something for you. All of a sudden, he's a stammering nobody that can't do anything. And he's standing there with a million excuses. And I want to ask you this morning, how many of you, is there anybody in this house that's tired of being trapped by the word can't? I don't, I don't believe, I, I don't know, maybe you can help me with this, but I don't ever recall G- hearing Jesus when I'm reading the word ever utter the word can't. I don't believe it was a part of his vocabulary. Jesus is a can-do type of guy. And and we can be the same because God's word says uh, that we can when it says with God all things are possible. I want to share with you this message version here because we quote quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's good. But I, I I want to share with you that same verse from the message version this morning because I... It, it just, it's so raw and so real to where we, where we live. And it says this, whatever I have, 
How many of you got everything you want? Right? Thank you for being honest. <laughs> Honesty is always appreciated in the house of the Lord. Whatever I have, wherever I am, how many of you are always satisfied with your station in life? Again, thank you for your honesty. Whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. We can do all things through Christ. That means everything we do with Jesus involved in the details, we can accomplish because the word of the Lord says we can. We, when we depend on Jesus and his finished work instead of ourselves, that's when and only when it's possible. I know, I know your inadequacies, inadequacies say no. I know that your inabilities scream no, and your limitations say that you can't. But let me have you understand another biblical principle this morning, and that is the one that says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. It is only when you have found the end of you that you begin to tap into the infinite supply of him it's only when your strength is gone that his strength comes to play it's only when your limitations have been met that you find the boundless limitations of almighty god to intervene in your situation and i'm telling you today church if you will hold on to the hand of god you can you can there are truths that have the promise of God behind them. Truths that, that the devil has stolen from us long enough. Truths that need to be reclaimed. And because I believe I am who God says I am, and I believe that I can do what God says I do. Now here comes the clincher. If you're going to have a kingdom attitude, you've got to follow up, I am and I can, with I will. I will. Can I tell you today, church, that some things are dependent upon you? Some things just depend on you. You know, we have this wonderful knowledge that we are in Christ Jesus. We have this wonderful knowledge of our standing in God's sight because of what Jesus has done in our lives. We have this wonderful knowledge of the power that's afforded us through the enablement of the Holy Spirit. But possessing knowledge without acting upon it is of little use. I want to say that again. Possessing knowledge without acting upon it is of little use. You see, the victory is ours. But it's got to be enforced in our lives. Besetting sins must be forsaken. Warfare must be waged in Jesus' name. Our rights as children of God must be asserted. My goodness. I could find some liberal crowd out picketing on the street corner and talk to them about the assertion of rights and they'd go haywire. But I talk to the children of God about asserting their rights as the children of God, and I hear crickets. I don't believe you understand. 
I, I don't believe you understand who he has said that you are. I don't believe you understand what he has said you can do. The authority that is yours in him that has been vested in you, that's been granted you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior. We have the power in the name of Jesus. You know, knowing that there's water in the well does little good to quench your thirst unless it's drawn up and drank. I remember when I was a kid, one of the popular cartoon shows even when I was a kid, cartoon shows had values and morals, but that's a different sermon. One of those shows was G.I. Joe. How many of you remember G.I. Joe? And oftentimes at one of the commercial breaks at some point in the, in the program, G.I. Joe would come out and he would offer this little life lesson, whatever the moral or the point of his story was, it was really good. I, I know that it, I'm sure in some way helped to sculpt me into the man I am, but. He would always get to the end of that little lesson. And then he would add this tagline. He'd say, now you know, and knowing is half the battle. And he's right. Knowing is half the battle. The other half is acting upon and in accordance with the knowledge that we possess. That's where the significance of faith comes into play. You see, and I want to challenge you with this, it's never going to be easy. You say, oh, pastor, you stand up there and preach and you talk about what the Bible says and I can and I am and all this stuff and how you will and all this. Under, don't misunderstand me. It's not going to be easy. Regardless of how much we know, regardless of how many times we've recounted the promise and processed the information, the Word says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Hebrews goes on to define that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Did you catch those phrases there? Hoped for and not seen. And the walk of faith is often this way. Sometimes we just step out in hope. And hope we covered a few weeks ago is the firm assurance of the promise of God. And we just step out without seeing but with knowing that he who is promised is faithful and we just step out expecting to see the manifestation of things not seen this means that sometimes before where there's an act there may be no tangible evidences of these things but when we live by faith the promise of God is going to be there for us Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about today. You may be facing struggles in your home. You may be facing struggles in your finances or something of that nature. And, and you just don't see the end of it. But God's calling you to be faithful with the tithe. God's calling you to, to just stretch that faith. And right now, you just know that if you give that gift that God's calling on you to give, that there's going to be no way for the ends to meet. And you can't see the end of it. 
But hope says, give. And it'll be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Hope says, try me therewith, says the Lord, and bring all the tithe into the storehouse and see, will I not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you would not be able to contain? So you may not see the tangible evidences there, but by faith, we take this step. There might be something else that God's calling you to release. It may be something with your, in your career. It may be something with, a, with a, a relationship that God's calling you to make a step, to make a move, but you don't see the end of it. But sometimes we have to step. We got to take, take one step before we can see the next step, before we see the next step. Maybe there's some of you under the sound of my voice that God's calling you to forgive. And you want to forgive, but for crying out loud, you just can't see how anybody's ever going to get even with your adversaries if you don't hold the grudge. By faith, let it go. Walk in faith. Release it. See what God's going to do. He may not level the playing field, even the score, the way you want it. But he might do something else so miraculous in your life that you just forget all about it. But you've got to let go and let God. But the just will live by faith in the promises of God and we will say, I will be faithful to my calling. I will be faithful to serve the Lord. I will not be defeated. I will go where he sends me. I will follow him all the days of my life. I will worship the Lord. I will not turn back. I will not give up. I will hold on to the hand of Christ. I want to ask you today, do you hear the voice of the Lord calling to you as he did to the nation of Israel? And he's asking you to head towards your blessing. He's asking you to head towards that promised land. He's asking you to head into something deeper in him. But before you do, you've got to release some things that are behind. Can I challenge you to be like Paul this morning and say this one thing I do, forgetting those things that were behind. Releasing them, letting go, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God. Do you hear the voice of the Lord head towards the blessing that I've prepared for you? Do you also struggle as well to hear in the, with hearing that voice that says, I'm not, I can't, and I won't? I want to challenge you today to pay no heed to that voice because through Christ Jesus, you are. Say it with me, I am. And through him, you can. The only question that remains is then, will you say, I will? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.